Hey everyone, welcome to the Revive West Des Moines podcast. I'm Jamie Richards, the Young Adult Minister at Hope West Des Moines. What you are about to hear is the live recording from Revive West Des Moines this past week. We hope you can connect with God and the good life that God has for you through what you hear in this message. Check it out. Invite my good friend Michelle on up. Michelle is speaking. This is her very first time, so be kind to her. Yes. yes. Um, Michelle is on staff at our Hope Elam campus and actually works with Revive at Hope Elam. So many of you knew Chris Kimston when he was in that role. Now Michelle is in that role, and we're really excited that you're here. So you can tell us as much or as little as you want about that, but I'm volunteering you. If anyone has questions about Revive or Kairos, our college oh, yeah. ministry. Also that. Yep, you can go ask her about that after Revive. So awesome. thanks so much for being Thank here. Thank you. Yes, please ask me those things. Yay. Okay, awesome. welcome. Good job, announcers. Woo then. We got to get some pep in our step. It's Thursday. It's almost the weekend. So, um, oh, thank you. You're getting me a table. I was like, wait, don't go. Um, so, yeah, as they grab that for me, I'll just introduce myself a little bit more to you. So, um, like they said, I am out of Hope Elam. I'm going to just you know, work with them here. I'm at Hope Elam, and um, I have been there for about nine months. So my husband and I moved from the Cedar Falls, Waterloo area, and then, um, yeah, we moved to Clive. Anybody live in Clive? Woo, Clive, people! I, I was like, there's going to be like zero to two, but I like it there, so I'm glad you guys are there too. Um, but yeah, I feel like I have a love-hate relationship with transitions. Have I, I'm going to just be taking a few polls here. I want to get to know you guys. Has anybody recently transitioned to Des Moines? Yeah? Okay, yes. So I don't know if you guys feel this too. I have a love-hate relationship with transitions. Like I hate moving and starting new because you have to rebuild and it takes time and I hate that but then I also love them because there's like this fresh start element to it and I'm like a big goals gal anybody else love goals this is my last poll yes I see you those three people that were proud of it good I bet there's more of you too um but part of what that means is when I moved here in September I was like okay, fresh start, like I'm getting settled in, now I'm going to set me some goals. And one of those goals was um, I want to get like better cleaning routines. We bought a house, so I'm like, this house is about to stay clean. And so then I followed this Instagram account, it's called Clean Mama, and they do this thing where like on Mondays we do bathrooms, on Tuesdays we do floors, and it, you know, Wednesday, Thursday... Wednesdays, I can't even remember, and that's kind of my point in telling you this. The reason why I'm telling you this is because there was a gap between who I wanted to be as this clean person and ask me how many times I actually followed the Monday to Friday cleaning routine. Ask me. How many times? Zero times. Literally zero times. I like can't even remember past Tuesday because most of the time I got to Tuesday, and then I was like, I don't want to clean every day. So the re why am I telling you this? It's because who I was and who I wanted to be, there was a gap. And what we call that gap is my level of self-control. Hi, I'm Michelle. This is me introducing myself to you. But I bring this up because I do not feel like I am alone in this little gap situation. And um, I feel like there's just some things about self-control that I want to highlight to us tonight because that's what we're talking about. Um, 
the gap here between who we are and who we want to be is self-control. And this is also the gap between our goals and our actual outcomes. It's self-control. Um, and uh, Rich Wilkerson said this. He said, what we do daily is who we become permanently. And our level of self-control now is going to tell us who we're going to be a year from now. Am I cleaner? It's been nine months. I still haven't done the routine. It's telling me a story about who I am. Um, And then just the last thing to think about here is what we choose consistently, maybe not always, but consistently is going to shape not only our lives, but our friendships. It's going to shape our communities. It's going to shape our churches. Ultimately, the choices we make shape us and our communities. And that's why self-control is so important. Um, So I bring it up and as we talk about it tonight, I want to emphasize its importance because like I think all of us could probably admit there's some part of your life that's a little like out of control or maybe out of control is too strong, but like you're lacking self-control, right? Like it's Amazon Prime days right now. I'm not trying to call anybody out. We all know about it, but like spending, uh, still enjoy Amazon Prime days. I hope this doesn't ruin that for you, but like maybe your spending is out of control or maybe for some of us, it's our eating or maybe it's our finances. Um, there is probably some piece of your life that feels a little out of control. And if you feel like you're like, no, my life's pretty in control, then maybe your pride's out of control. So, oh, I know she came at them. No, I'm just kidding. Well, I'm not kidding, but it's true. So this is how I'm starting this out. I'm like, hi, I'm Michelle. I don't have self-control, neither do you. Let's jump in. But I'm starting it this way because what's true is when, oh, I forgot I changed my slides. (laughs) Y'all are about to see a bunch of slides. (laughs) <laughs> I, you know, I'm just getting used to it up here. Um, but write those down. Remember them. <laughs> um, but I'm starting it way because what's true is when the spirit appears, uh, so does self-control. And that is super important. And that's what we're going to talk about tonight is when the spirit appears in our lives, so does self-control. But um, our text tonight is going to help us understand a little bit of how that works. Because like for me, I mean, and probably you, I'm like, I have the spirit of God in me. Why do I still lack self-control? If the spirit appears and so does self-control, show me the control. So, um, our passage tonight is going to help us understand that a little bit more. Um, 2 Peter 1, 3 through 4 says this. It says, His divine power, which is the Spirit, has granted to us all things we need. Everybody say, all things we need. All things we need. Good job. So the Spirit has granted us all things we need for what? Life and godliness. You got it. So that's what this verse is promising. And if God's word is true, he's saying, listen, my spirit has given you everything you need to live 
a life that is healthy. You can think of that word life as like another way of saying healthy and then godliness as saying holiness. So we have everything we need to live healthy and holy lives. Um, But it goes on. um, I'm gonna finish this verse for us, verse four. So um, through the knowledge of him who has called us to his own glory and excellence, through these, he has given us his very great and precious promises so that through them, you may participate in the divine nature, having escaped from the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. So the question we need to ask is, how do we get this control? And that's where verse five is gonna point it out for us. So when the spirit appears, so does control, but it takes something else. And that something else is in verse five. So it says, for this reason, make, what's, what does it say? Make every effort to respond. So what that means is the spirit is providing self-control, but we also have a role. And our role is to make every effort to respond to God's promises. And I'm gonna finish this verse for us. Supplementing your faith with virtue and virtue with knowledge and knowledge with self-control and self-control with steadfastness and steadfastness with godliness and godliness with brotherly affection and brotherly affection with love. Small fun fact, steadfastness, so there's eight virtues listed there. Steadfastness or self-control is right in the middle. It's number four. And it's because really to manifest any of those other ones, we need self-control in our lives. And so what I'm going to show us tonight is that we can make every effort by responding to the Spirit in five ways. And what I believe is that when we respond to the Spirit in these five ways, we will cultivate lives of self-control. And ultimately, self-control leads to freedom. And that's what God wants for us. So I'm excited to talk through these five responses of self-control. Um, and the first is this, um, the first response we have to make to God is honesty. We have to get honest with God and with others about what parts of your life are out of control. And this is never easy. It's never easy to say to God and to others, yeah, um, my finances are a hot mess. I'm actually in debt. It's never easy to say, actually, I think I'm drinking more than I should be. To say, I need to exercise. I think I'm shifting into habits of laziness. None of those things are ever easy to do, but if you can't do them, this is what scripture says, it says in Proverbs 28, 13, whoever conceals their sin does not prosper, but the one who confesses and renounces them finds mercy. If you cannot get honest, you cannot prosper. But when you do, you will find mercy from God and from hopefully godly people. If you don't find mercy, then maybe tell someone else. That's just a tip. Um, But as we unpack, I mean, for me, as I've done this with God, there's like multiple things, right? Like you you don't just probably have one area of your life that feels out of control. Um, 
But what I want to encourage you to do is as you lay those things before God, I want you to ask this question to him. I want you to talk to him and say, God, what area of my life needs the most attention? And I want you to pick one. Just pick one. And there's a reason for this. Um, There's like science behind why it's most constructive for our habit formation to just pick one thing. And there was this study done. They took two groups of people and they put them in a room and they told one group, there were, okay, let me add more to the story. So in this room, there was a plate of like warm, yummy cookies. And then there was this other plate of radishes things radishes and they told the first group they're like you can eat all the cookies you just help yourself and then they told the second group no cookies for you only radishes sadly and they even like set up the room to like make it smell like cookies so this group too was exercising a lot of willpower so they do that to them and then they put them in another room and they give them this puzzle both groups separate puzzles, that doesn't matter, but it's a detail, whatever. And they say to them, um, okay, now put this puzzle together. And what they didn't real, what they like did to the puzzle is they made it super hard for them to actually do like the puzzle actually you couldn't put together. And the, the group that could only eat radishes gave up trying in half the time as the other group did. And it was a study on willpower. So it proved, hey, when you are exerting a lot of willpower in a new skill, you do not have the energy to even give it your all in this second skill. So just pick one, give yourself grace. God's got time with you, just form one habit. Um, So that's my encouragement to you. Talk to God about what area of your life needs the most attention first? Where do you want to start? And as you discern that, just like another little fact for you, there's these things, they're called keystone habits. And what they are is they're habits that when you get those figured out, they lay a foundation for you to really build on well. And so, you know, referring back to Second Peter verse one verse three, the health and holiness, health habits, the keystone ones, and this is science, this isn't Michelle. Health habits, there's wake up on your first alarm, exercise three times per week, sleep seven to eight hours per night, and then morning routine, and that makes sense. Like, if you think about it, if you want to be a person, like, and when I did this, my first one was, okay, I need to sleep seven hours. So then, when I set my alarm, I wake up to my first one because I'm rested. And then when I wake up to my first alarm, I'll actually have time to work out. And then I'll have time to do my morning routine. It's a whole thing. It's a keystone habit. So those are the health ones. And then holiness. um, This was from a book. It's called Your Future Self Will Thank You. And he identified a research study that said when um, Christians engage in Bible reading daily, prayer, and regular church attendance, their spiritual formation flourished. And so as you guys discern what is the area of my life that I need to give attention to and talk with God about that, talk with a trusted friend, let these kind of inform your choice as well. Um, But that's response one is honesty. And then response two is envision the future. So play out both scenarios of whatever this, like say you choose finances. Play out your future with God. Like imagine, God, if I don't get control in this area, what's gonna happen? And then 
talk to God about this. God, would you give me a vision for what my life could look like if I got this one figured out? And in order for you to get a vision like this, you need to get in the word. And I say that um, because often we like to create our own visions for our lives, but God might have a little something different for you. And sometimes hearing that, I think people say that and it can feel discouraging, like, well, that means like I'm not going to get what I want and I want to get what I want. (laughs) And um, I bring that up because often I actually think that is one of Satan's biggest lies to us is he likes to tempt us towards sin with this lie. And Tim Keller says it well. This is a quote from him. Um, Sin or temptation tries to get you to believe this. It's that sin will fulfill you, um, that it is sweeter, healthier, more natural than obedience, um, that if you do it, you will be living. And if you don't, you'll miss out. Um, it'll put limits on you and you'll be restricted. And I read that and I was like, yeah, every time I want to do something that's different than what God wants me to is because I feel this. And that's one of Satan's biggest lies that he wants to get us to believe. And that is often why we drink more than we should. It's often why we gossip because we think it'll get us included somehow. Um, And what happens there is Satan lies to us and he distorts reality. And really self-control is all about grounding us back in reality. Um, And Jesus always overcomes lies with truth. And so um, that's why his word is so necessary for you to envision your future um, because you need a picture of like this greater good God has for you. You need a picture of something to believe. Um, You need a picture of this gift. I mean, God says to all of us, I love you. I know you. I have a plan to prosper you. And we don't believe him. We believe Satan. And so that's why as you envision your future, you need to get in your word. And here's the truth. You will either pay the price of self-control, because self-control is hard sometimes, or you'll pay the price of regret. Um, And Jesus doesn't want that for you. That's why he's talking to us tonight about this. Um, And the truth is sin often... um, my pastor used to say this to the, my pastor used to say this to us all the time. He would say, "Sin will take you farther than you ever thought you would go. It will keep you longer than you ever thought you would stay, and it will make you pay a price you never thought you would have to pay." And Jesus is here tonight trying to tell you, "I have a better way for you, but you need to trust me. You need to trust me." And Um, As we talk further about self-control, I just want to make sure you hear my definition of it. So self-control is the ability to do what you are called to do, even when you don't feel like doing it. So as you talk with God about this area that he really wants you to grow in, that is him highlighting to you something you're called to. And self-control is when you obey that calling, even when you don't feel like it. And 
even as we like, you know, so here's response one, you get honest. Response two, you envision your future. You have knowledge of your future. You got this picture, you got a word from the Lord, but knowledge alone often does not like change our behavior. Like I feel like a lot of us know we shouldn't be doing the things that we are doing and we are still doing them. Um, So that's the... Um, that's where the third response comes in is leaning on others. Um, so whatever part of your life you're seeking growth in, do not do it alone. I like really mean this. So as you take time to talk to God about like, what do I need to do? You also need to think about who you're going to do it with because it is not as fun or effective for you to be doing anything really by yourself when it comes to growth. And scripture attests to this too. Um, in Proverbs 27, 17, it says, iron sharpens iron and one man sharpens another. And I have found this to be personally true. So I'm trying to think like two years ago, I did this like a hundred day workout challenge. And I was like, okay, two friends, I want you to do this with me. Let's do it. So we do it. We literally did the hundred days every day. We would like finish our workout and text each other. And then like we did a celebratory like meal together. That next week I was like, four for seven days of working out, which is still good. Like, I'm not complaining about that, but it's less consistent. And then that same friend moved in with me in January. And from like, well, January 1st, it's probably like February 20th, I think. We worked out five out of seven days a week, every single week. Then she went on vacation. You want to know how many times I worked out? Not that many, (laughs) I can tell you that. And so what I'm trying to say to you is um, you should not do this alone. When you do it with people, it increases your effectiveness. And a research study said that it takes 66 days to build a habit. I know you've probably heard all kinds of things like 21, da, da, da. But this book was talking about a habit becoming subconscious. So to the level where you do it without thinking about it. So if you're really trying to build new ways of operating for at least 66 days, do not go it alone, okay? That's all I'm asking. So that's my challenge to you. That is reason three. And as you pick your person, there's kind of like two ways you could pick it. I would say think of someone you admire that is already successful in this area. Maybe it's with like finances, ask them. They're already doing it. They have systems in place. Ask them. Or think of a friend who like needs help with it too. Obviously be tactful in like how you ask. Don't be like, hey, I know you're struggling too. Maybe you could. I don't know. However you know them. Um, But those are like two (laughs) ways. I'm trying to be sensitive. Those are two ways you could um, initiate this. So that is response three. Response four is prayer. So whatever it is that you have identified, create like a one sentence prayer for that thing. So for me, when it comes to my spending or my finances, I like, this happens to me a lot because we bought, or we bought a house. So like there's more space. And so you're like, oh, that could go there. So then you like think, you look at the thing, then you're like, I'm going to go on Amazon and find this right now. And then I say to myself, this is a verse. But godliness with contentment is great gain. God, would you help me experience joy in contentment? And then I'm like, oh, look at me, not stressed, because now I don't have to buy a thing, and now I have more money. 
So it helps, like a prayer, a breath prayer, as you're like about to do the thing that you know is not for your flourishing, say that prayer, whatever it is. Um, And um, the other piece to this is, this is like one of Jesus's like key coaching tips to his disciples on how to combat temptation. So he says in Matthew 26, 41 is, watch and pray that you may not enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. So part of what I'm teaching you right now is like a preparation process. Like I feel like what I hope to happen as you guys leave here is you say, okay, I want to gain control in one area of my life and here is my role and how I can make this happen. Um, and part of that is truly making a prayer that you're going to pray um, when you feel tempted. And um, so that's our fourth one. You've gotten honest at this point. You've envisioned your future self. You, what's, you've leaned on others. You're praying. And then um, even with all of that, the last response is systematize. So why do I say that? Um, It's because of something James Clear, who wrote the book Atomic Habits, said. He says, we don't rise to our highest goals. We fall to our worst systems. Say that again. We don't rise to our highest goals. We fall to our worst systems. So even if you have prayer in place, you have accountability in place, but you don't have a good system, you will not get to where you want to go. So like examples of systems. Um, Say you want to be on your phone less, but you don't change anything about it. A system would be changing your settings, maybe putting your phone in the other room, telling yourself you're not going to get it until you do something else in the morning or brush your teeth, I don't know. Um, Or another system, you want to exercise, but you like have no plans a system would be buying a program or asking a friend to work out at the same time, at the same place, every week. That's a system. If you don't have that piece in place, you will fall to the amount of the system you do have in place. Um, Even paying off debt, like I know that's one for young adults, you need a system for that. When my husband and I did that, we texted our friends that were like, you're very good with money, we have a goal, at the end of every month to pay off X amount, can we send you a calendar invite so that we have accountability when we want to pay off that money every month? That was a system that we were held to and it worked. Um, But what we've learned about how the human mind works is most of those systems best work if you kind of follow, oh wait, um, this rule of thumb So it starts with the Q. So Q, routine, reward. Um, Q could be, say, like exercising is your goal. My Q is that I drink pre-workout. And that that stuff, like, to me is like, I'm kind of spending money on this. So once it's in my body, I, like, have to do the workout. So then my routine is the workout. And then my reward is my apple ring. We'll close it. <laughs> That's enough for me. <laughs> I don't need a lot here. But um, that is forming a habit. Um, so that's one example. Another is if you want to go to church, like your cue could be, this, this is a good system if you're like, I'm not going to get there if I go on my own. Your cue could be your friend texting you, 
on my way to pick you up. And then your routine is you go to church. And then your reward is you get yourself a coffee after church or something. I don't know. But as you think of a system that works for you, think of it in terms of cue, routine, reward. And um, that will help you build a system that helps you flourish. So, oh, wait, I'm going back. Um, so yeah, the last question to dialogue with God about is, God, what system do I need to put in place to be successful? What system do I need to put in place to be successful? And um, what I want to point out about all these um, responses and even why I use the word response is because this is about response implies dialogue, which implies a relationship. And this is about you and your relationship with God, not about doing all these things super well. And if you get out of step with God on this one, you can go wonky in two ways. Either you can get like real rigid and maybe real anxious about it. And then that almost becomes pride control, not self-control. You're like amping up your pride to prove you can do it. And your anxiety is going up because of it. And that is not flourishing. That is not what God wants for you. Or if you get out of step with the spirit, you could get lax and then discouraged. And that is not what God wants for you either. This is about you and him becoming all he has for you to be together. And that's the point. And if you notice, this makes an acronym called HELPS. And it's because the Spirit helps us cultivate self-control. So hopefully that helps you remember. Um, but yeah, my prayer for you as we um, end our night tonight is that um, this verse would be true, that his divine power has granted to us all things we need for life and godliness and that you would feel the truth of that. Um, so as we transition back into worship, let me pray for you. Uh, God, thank you so much for young adults. Thank you for this season of life and what it does um, to our formation. God, thank you for the way you um, love each of us and you have a plan and a vision for our lives and um, you want us to flourish. We're just so thankful that that is true and we're so expectant of what you want to do in each of us. So God, as we um, transition into worship, would you just continue to build us into who we're becoming? And we lift all of this up in your name. Amen. Thanks for listening, everyone. Revive West Des Moines happens every Thursday night at Hope in West Des Moines, and we'd love to connect with you on social media. So find us and let us know where you're listening from. And whenever you're in town, we would love to have you come to Revive and join us live. Peace out, Scouts.